when I started at Tiger Connect, I was on this journey and I had this, you know, my my own project that I called Kill the Spreadsheet. And I was I was ready to die on that on that hill. Uh, but then I realized that, you know, something that I also learned um, over this past two years, um, it's progress over perfection. You know, sometimes, sometimes um, it, it makes sense to just step back to keep the progress going, to keep the momentum going versus trying to make it all perfect. Welcome to RevOps Rockstars in pursuit of unicorns. I'm David Carnes. And I'm Jaren Chu. Join us as we interview RevOps leaders to explore the challenges they have faced, the biggest lessons they've learned, and what they think makes a RevOps rock star. This show is brought to you by OpFocus on a mission to help companies run their businesses better by letting you focus on growth while we scale your operations. Let's get this show on the road. Today's guest is a highly effective strategy to action professional with 15 years of experience in both marketing and sales operations. She's passionate about creating alignment, partnership, and operational efficiencies between marketing, sales, and revenue. Today, we've got the VP of Revenue Operations at Tiger Connect to join us. Olga Traskova, welcome to the show. Hi, and thank you so much for having me. Yeah, welcome, Olga. So we're really curious if there's something in RevOps that you've had to learn the hard way? Oh, that's the question to start with. Uh, you know, revenue operations is such a practical field. It's not something that you can sort of study at school. It's not, not something that you just study through a theory. It is very um, application-heavy field and it's it does, it's not one size fits all right so i would say um while there are methods and approaches that are have become best practices already it definitely depends on um the company that where 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 you are rolling out or where you're implementing revenue operations depends on the company goals it depends on the company size it depends on the stage of the company uh for me um because you know i come from the marketing operations and analytics world for me uh getting into the sales ops and getting into the sales ops practices was like learning to swim when you're being thrown in the in, in into the water um and while you know i studied and a lot of um a lot of uh, content a lot of materials online and on LinkedIn and listen listen to the podcasts again it's it's not something that is one size fits all it's not like something that you can read and then try to go and implement it at your company it's where you know this cross-functional alignment that we like to talk about comes into play where you have to actually connect your finance leaders your sales leaders your sales ops leaders your you know your marketing revenue leaders together to look into the entire process, to look into the entire journey and, you know, define what forecasting is or what the um, sales planning pipeline management is for you. So 
we went at Tiger Connect, we went through several iterations of power forecasting. When I started at Tiger Connect, we were in Excel. You know, um, since then we ditched the Excel, we moved to systems, and we went through maybe three different approaches. And what we're landed, what we have landed um with now is really this revenue engine type of approach where on a weekly basis we're zeroing in on the pipeline, on the forecast, on the stages, on the categories. When we're looking at the larger deals, when we're looking at the must-win deals, uh, deals for the quarter, when uh, our sales leaders, um, they keep the cadence of meeting with their uh, with their teams and they're delivering those forecasts to, forecasts to the leadership. I wouldn't say, so at the end of the day, I wouldn't say that was a hard way. It was more like test and trial challenge of what works for us. Um, we are the stage of uh, the company where really zeroed in on growth, you know, and from there forecasting and pipeline management is at the center of the stage for us. So you'd say that your background in marketing ops and having had a number of different roles over the years has really contributed to your understanding of broader rev ops. That is true. You know, when you look into the RevOps leaders, you know, RevOps um, management these days, there are really three types of RevOps leaders, right? I would say um, the ones that come from the sales ops or sales side of things, the ones that come from finance, and then the rare ones like me <laughs> come from marketing. And I would say that in... Be, having the marketing and marketing operations experience and coming into RevOps actually expands your understanding of the customer journey and expands your understanding of uh, where it all starts, right? Really, the foundation uh, or, you know, flipping the funnel, the top of the funnel starts with marketing. Um, having having the presence of marketing, marketing ops within the revenue operations allows you to connect the dots and, you know, create create that alignment and sync between all of the go-to go-to market leaders. Um, I pivoted to revenue operations about five, six years ago, coming from the marketing ops world. And one of my um, biggest tasks at that time was to represent marketing and be the business partner of, of the CMO and make sure no leads are left behind. Whenever marketing is producing those hot leads or generating those early stage, the real stage opportunities, it's not like we're throwing them uh, through the fence, over the fence to the sales teams, right? It's this handoff that happens. So building the handoff process, um, notifying sales, keeping them up to date on the programs, the campaigns, the initiatives that marketing is running and what those initiatives are generating and why was that was actually what helped us to, to drive the efficiencies for the sales teams um, at every stage of the funnel. It's not about the generation of new leads and opportunities, but it's also about keeping those ones that are in the pipeline warm. So what are we doing to nurture the ones that are in the middle of the funnel now based on you know different products they're purchasing or different types of the customers that they, um, they might be? So having that outlook in the RevOps, which is I still think it still is so much geared towards sales ops or even customer success ops or finance. Having the programs, initiatives, connecting it to the marketing strategy, the go-to-market strategy is very important within the revenue operations. 
Yeah, I feel like for the guests even that have been on this podcast, 60-70% of folks come from, you know, with RevOps titles, come from a sales ops background. Maybe 20 to 30% um comes down to a little bit of marketing ops and a, increasingly a combination of um finance ops. We almost never hear CS yet being from a pure CS background leading revenue ops. Um your current title is VP of Revenue Operations. In your last two roles, your title contained, well, in your last role, it was uh, global marketing revenue operations. And prior to that, it was uh, marketing operations. So I would love to understand on a day-to-day basis, when your purview expands from marketing operations to revenue operations, how does that day-to-day differ for you with that expanded scope? When I think about my journey, my career path, and my journey from marketing ops to revenue operations, I I feel like I sort of organically made my way there, right? Uh, it's not like on a Wednesday I was doing marketing ops and Thursday, boom, you know, now, now you have forecasting analytics and sales ops and comp planning and, and, and all that, right? Now you own technology, go to market technology all of a sudden. Um, Revenue marketing term has been emerging, you know, uh, for the several has several years, and uh, marketing leaders are now tasked to answer hard question of like what's marketing delivering and what is the marketing's efficiency, what programs are working, what is the ROI of marketing programs, etc. As marketing ops professionals. We are, you know, tasked with, with coming up with those answers for, for the questions. So now we're equipped with the technology. Now we're equipped with the processes. We're building the foundations on how to track, um, the efficiencies and the productivity of marketing campaigns, how that impacts the bottom line, uh, et cetera. And from there, so when I start looking into the marketing attribution and to the analytics, I realized that we had to make our way if further into the process, right? This is where we had to ensure that it's uh, being followed up with that the technology is set up and the way that marketing needs to be set up, that we are tracking all the right um, components that we can then report on those, the right KPIs that marketing is, is supposed to report on. So by, uh, by trying to connect the dots for the marketing efficiency, we realized that we made our way into Salesforce, into the lead to opportunity management, into all of the surrounding technologies um, for Salesforce. We found ourselves uh, running trainings for sales teams, you know, defining the BDR processes, defining the daily life of a salesperson, right? Or different roles within the the sales organization. So that growth happened over or that transition, transformation of marketing operations and myself within marketing operations, you know, um, happened within several, several years. So it was more of this organic growth. And that really um, drove me, you know, I realized that there is way more to this process that we can optimize, that we can um, rebuild, that we can um, restructure to make sure it's this one sustainable, scalable uh, path. And it's not, and it's path of a customer. It's not a path of, it's not ops for the sake of ops. And it's not ops for the sake of the company. It's ops for the sake of 
the customer journey where we track everything from top to bottom and after close one. That's where the customer success comes into play. That's what intrigued me. And so I made my way into the sales ops. And from there, it was just natural for me to start looking into the revenue operations. I'm a true believer in centralizing and centralizing operations. So to answer to answer a question, the, that's a, that's of course a, a huge pivot, right? You're expanding, you're expanding your charter. Now all of a sudden, you manage the entire process. But that's the beauty of it. You know what I now need to make sure is that I have strong leaders for marketing ops, sales ops, customer success ops in my team to create those vertical efficiencies, you know, the subject matter experts for every vertical. And uh, then we'd have the horizontal layers, right, to to connect the dots and to drive automations, to streamline the processes, um, and to, you know, to, to follow the customer, to follow the customer journey. It's, I'm not a one person team, thankfully. So I do have my, uh, my strong leaders uh, in the team. It's a great time to talk about your team and about the company in general. So Tiger Connect uh, serves the healthcare industry and right. uh, you have about 275 employees. You had taken a series D round of funding back in 2020, and then you were, uh, took investment from Vista in January, 2022. So you've seen some of that change. You're coming up on two years in your role. Uh, tell us about your team. How how big is the team that you're working with and how how is it structured? So I believe what we have landed with a Tiger Connect is more or less this classic revenue operations structure, right? It's still very different in every company. But when you um, read about the best practices, when you talk to the um, RevOps leaders around, they would say that it is essential that you actually centralize. It's not dotted line, but it's an actual centralization of operations. So uh, I do have marketing operations, sales operations, and customer success operations teams under me. We do have um, an analytics team as well. That's a centralized analytics team that covers the entire go-to-market reporting. So we then support marketing, sales, customer success um, needs within customer success. That's important. There are four, four pillars. There's support, there's services, uh, uh, there, um, and, and then there are other fields that we're covering there, there as well. Uh, there's a technology team uh, that overlooks Salesforce, that overlooks NetSuite, that overlooks major, major technologies. It's uh, it's important to note that the actual go-to market applications, um, such as say Drift or Marketo, are managed within the operations team. So while we do have an overlay with the technology team that are you know um, subject matter experts when it com- when it comes to the integrations, when it comes to the data flows, the actual go-to market technologies are managed within the um, the, the business and the operations teams. Uh, we do have revenue enablement, um, which is super important. Uh, at Tiger Connect, actually, when we launched revenue operations team here, we launched revenue enablement at the same at the same time. So that that is also a fairly new function here that we have seen tremendous success with. Now that we are running. Uh, 
boot camps and certifications and trainings and revenue enablement hours for for the sales teams and for the go-to-market teams. We call it revenue enablement because it's not just the sales, right? We're also we're also covering customer success managers. We're also covering BDRs. We also cover marketing enablement as well. And then there is a deal desk team that manages the um, the quoting process um, in Salesforce, and that is aligned super closely to the sales team and how the quote, how the order management, right, the communications with the customer. So given the range of what you've just described, I'm curious, and, and also the complexity of the tech stack that you're dealing with, um, how do you determine the right balance of in-house versus outsourced work? Um, at Tiger Connect, uh, we're trying to keep most of it, most of it in-house, but now, uh, actually, we're going through the system transformations. That's a major project um, that is happening throughout the company. It's not just for uh, revenue operations or just the go-to-market teams. Pretty much every um, every department of the company is involved in that um, system transformation project. We're looking at um, every platform, every tool that we have and all of the processes within those tools. And then we're looking at optimization. It comes down to, you know, getting rid of fields or getting rid of the technical debt with Salesforce. It comes down to tidying up the integration between our chatbot and between Marketo and, and Salesforce, et cetera. So from the strategic level of like streaming, uh, stream, streamlining, streamlining our uh, systems, um, building them up for scale, um, it then comes down to a very tactical level of, you know, record types and Salesforce, the day-to-day life of a Salesforce or a salesperson, the pipeline management uh, in in the systems, etc. So that's where we do have external help because that's not something that you know we have our our day-to-day jobs, you know, daily jobs. So it's not something that we would be able to allocate time and dedicate ourselves. So that's. There are projects that we we engage um, external resources. We're also um, have been um, have been hiring for the marketing operations role. Um, it's been taking some time to find to find the right skill set to find the right person. So in the meantime, while we're looking for for this person, we have been engaging with the agency as well. We didn't want to just lose time, lose momentum on that. And we have been working on the lead scoring. We've been working on restructuring Marketo at the same time. Once that is all done, uh, I I think it's just our strategy to keep the most of it in house. But again, it's not one size fits all. It's very different for every company. And some companies. That I worked with, we relied a lot on the external help, on the agencies, on the contractors. So it just depends on the skill set um, that you have, on the um, on the experience that you have within your teams, and then the goals of where you're trying to go. This is a really good transition, actually, because I think a lot of that transformation and growth uh, has a lot to tie with most likely the mandates that your investors come in with. Um, Tiger Connect was acquired in January of 2022 by Vista Equity Partners. And prior to that, you had raised over $400 million in Series D. Uh, Vista is, of course, known in the industry for their extensive best practices and playbooks and KPI reporting standards. Um, I think you've mentioned to us previously the, you know, the, the, the sheer quantity of those things. I'm curious to understand how do you negotiate, you know, in addition to everything you're already doing with RevOps, right? How do you negotiate these? 
net new requirements on the business, both in terms of the play and the reporting? And how do you then roll it out cross-functionally? Sure, that's true, right? As pretty much any um, PE company, Vista comes with with sort of projects that you have to implement or the processes that you have to that you have to implement. There, there are a lot, but um, there are only a few that are sort of mandatory for for every company. And when you think about those, you know, they're tested processes. Um, and uh, at the end of the day, it's to help us uh, with our day to day. Um, there are a few of them that's, you know, the, the, the systems transformation projects is, is, is one of those. Um, and of course, it seems like a lot. But what I like to say is uh, you eat an elephant in bite-sized pieces. You approach it. You know, you uh, first of all, um, Vista Consultants, they, they help you uh with project management they help you with scheduling they help you strategize and it's not a sprint it's always it's always a marathon some of these projects might take up to 12 months you know for some companies could be even longer so it is we're trying to connect it to our our day-to-day there are of course weeks you know that it might take um like now we're going through UAT so a lot of time is dedicated to testing a lot of time is dedicated to actually looking into into the systems and all of the teams are involved um but when you think about the 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 length of the project and the timeline of the project is while it might seem as a lot, it's definitely, you know, doable. And when those companies, when Vista and any other P company, it's, you know, it's, it's for our, 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 our mutual success. That's what we're doing. And now we are realizing already the successes of those, uh, of those initiatives when we are, when we're seeing, um, you know, just for example, on the deal desk side, right, where we're building the queues and now we're able to see where, each order where each deal sits in the queue with the deal desk team. So that's that's important. That's what's helping us. And when we realize that this is actually supposed to bring the benefit, bring the value to our uh, day-to-day jobs, that's when you invest time in this. Um, pivoting to the pivoting in the analytics to a more expanded KPI set, right? We're now reporting on around like 300 different KPIs throughout marketing, sales, customer success on a monthly basis also allowed us to um, to see the big picture, right? And to learn how to track and how to stamp and how to collect data. And it has a ripple effect into your foundation of your technology and how you run campaigns and um, what fields you have on your on your web forms. It is all very interconnected process. As, and we as revenue operations leaders, we are at the center of it all. And when we see the KPIs that we need to report on, the KPIs that we are being measured on, we as a company, now we realize that the changes that we need to implement, you know, in all of the other systems and all of the other surrounding um, surrounding processes. And while we might collect those 300 KPIs on a monthly basis, it's not what we truly uh, represent on the say, QBR board meeting, right? And then we have only a subset of those metrics that are, you know, that are the, the key ones uh, that we report onto the board or that we report onto the executive level. But to get the rhythm of the business to understand the the month to month, you know, we we have a very expanded suite of KPIs. 
And a quick follow-up question. When you mentioned those 300 KPIs, that's a lot to roll out. What was the timeline that um, Vista gave your team to say, hey, we know a lot of these are going to require, you know, say data normalization or cleaning up of, of values and whatnot. How, what kind of rollout timeline did you have before you were expected to, on a monthly basis, share these 300 KPIs? Sure. So we first, of course, attempted to do it all at once and we did not succeed. We failed. Um, and I believe it took us about three quarters to get to the actual, to the actual set. Uh, now that we feel confident in the numbers and now that we are at the rhythm where finance and rev ops and sales and marketing, we work all together to bring together that, that, that set of uh, monthly reporting packages. Um, the, the, the mistake I think that we did was just trying to deliver it all, you know, and because we're perfectionists and we like to be A students and, um, we did not realize that it, you know, at that time that it required a lot of, um, uh, a lot of change and a lot of reprogramming in the systems and just a lot of reprogramming the way we run campaigns, for example, and we had to rethink our funnel and we had to restamp a lot of. Um, objects and fields and in, in, in our systems. Um, so it took some time to get there. You know, some of those metrics were already readily available. Some of them we had to work on. Now we feel comfortable and confident in what we are, we're sharing. So I would suggest again, um, just look at the quick wins, you know, what you already might have in your systems. And then the, your second, uh, quick win is to what you can easily build. And then, there are some other things uh, that would require, you know, a more in-depth implementation or more in, like uh, other resources that might not be uh, immediately available. So that's how we approached it. And, you know, in about th three quarters after, uh, we're there. And did you do all of that directly in Salesforce? Use Salesforce reporting? Did you have to rely on other reporting tools, spreadsheets even? Um, how do you regularly make it sustainable for you to be producing these 300 KPIs? Uh, most of it comes from Salesforce. Uh, and then, of course, we we use we use spreadsheets. We rely on spreadsheets. A lot of data manipulation happens, uh, happens in the spreadsheets. Um, I would say about 60% come from Salesforce. We also have a marketing attribution platform that tracks the funnel and marketing performance. Uh, so it comes from there. When, it, um, when we're talking about sort of like offline snapshots and keeping offline snapshots of the data, so that's where that's where we use Salesforce, and then of course, or I'm sorry, Excel, and that and of course Excel is what helps us bring it all together into one mega dashboard of of all of those of all of those numbers. Um, when I started at Tiger Connect, I was on this journey and I had this, you know, my, my own project that I called Kill the Spreadsheet. And I was, I was ready to die on that, on that hill. Uh, but then I realized that, you know, something that I also learned, um, over this past two years, um, it's progress over perfection, you know. Sometimes, sometimes, um, it, it makes sense to just step back to keep the progress going, to keep the momentum going versus trying to make it all perfect. And as operations people, we all like to have everything in the systems. We all like to have everything in the cloud and to have this nice visuals in there. And it's not just, um, 
it's not always the right thing to do. So for me, it was this realization, this aha moment to just step back and think, is, is it really like, why are we, why, why am I trying to kill the spreadsheet? What, what are we going to gain from that? Right. So, um, now it's a mix of both. Uh, we're forecasting out of the systems, but, um, snapshots of data are still held within, within the spreadsheets. And um, our analytics uh, leaders working uh, from the spreadsheets powered by Python, powered by some of the analytics BI tools, you know, but it spits out in the spreadsheets. But it helps us keep going and keep the momentum and keep the rhythm of the business going, you know, instead of being so zeroed in and reaching the, uh, the Excel sheet. And you've mentioned a number of tools that you're working with. I'm, I'm curious, uh, I'm sure you've got more in your tech stack. Is there anything in the tech stack that you just couldn't live without? Um, you know, well, while there are tools that I like, uh, I think at the end of the day, it all comes down to the skill set and it all comes down to the people. Like your best tool is your team. Uh and people that are really motivated, that are quick learners, that have this learning attitude within them. Um, and while I like, you know, I'm all-time Marketo customers, um, there are a couple other tools that I like. I like clusterful forecasting. There is, of course, Salesforce, you know. At the end of the day, what I'm landing with is like, you really don't need all of those bells and whistles, you know, to run your to run your operations. Those are nice to have things. You must have things, you know. There is there's just very few of them. And while there are so many tools um, on the market out there, I think we're coming at this tool fatigue, you know, and we're now in the process of canceling the products, so canceling the tools versus buying buying the tools. And as we go through the list of all of, um, of all of the different applications that I have, that we have across the go to market, I came into the realization that the only tool that I cannot live without is the Excel. Like that is the best tool that was ever created. You and I will both know that's true. Uh, and you really need, you know, and a salesperson really needs a phone and an Excel to start selling, right? And us as operations, to, again, to do, to build nice processes and build automations, of course you would need tools, but really to start reporting, tracking, uh, to deliver change management, to keep all of the teams in, in tax and aligned together. Um, there's, you, you don't need a suite of 25 different tools. Yeah, that's so, it's so important. And, you know, at, at OpFocus in our early days, we wrote thousands of lines of Excel VBA code to automate stuff and just, Tools like Salesforce just weren't weren't powerful enough at the time, so we did a lot of stuff in Excel, getting the data in Excel. And it's it's so interesting to hear that you know, 17 years later, it's still true that uh, Excel serves a lot of needs uh, for folks across the RevOps spectrum. That is that is true. Um, fortunately or unfortunately, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but that is just a reliable thing always right we can always um one when we're short in time um and we don't have time to implement a six-month product you know we don't we we just need to keep going that's a tool we can always rely on yeah all right so let's let's take a moment 
to just look ahead in the world of RevOps, what do you see as the next big disruption within RevOps? Um, well, I'm hoping that RevOps will stabilize on the structure, right? So uh, while there is more or less this classic approach and the best practice still at many companies, what I'm seeing revenue operations is just a new fancy title, a new brand name of sales operations. What I'm hoping to see is the stabilization of centralizing ops, of bringing analytics in and technology in, uh, as well as enablement uh, within the revenue within the revenue operations. And I'm also hoping to see uh, RevOps being not just the center of managing the customer lifecycle, but also driving the change within the organization, right? When it comes to uh, strategic initiatives, when it comes to M&As, when it comes to transformations, you know, product launches, Hoping to see RevOps being at the center there, right? Change is usually driven by strategy, which is driven by data that RevOps has, you know, which is also driven by um, the change management that enablement can help with. That is then also driven by the processes we said that is uh, revenue operations owns. So I'm hoping to see this um, the the true rise of revenue operations from uh, from being the day to day partner to to being a strategic partner when it comes to um, the company initiatives. So Olga, we'd like to shift gears a little bit. We'd like to talk about you for a bit. So you're based in Los Angeles. You studied at St. Petersburg State University. Uh, I think one of the most glorious cities on the earth. Uh, So cool that that's where you studied. Uh, You studied marketing. Uh, Your previous position, you were director of global marketing RevOps at Cornerstone On Demand. Um, now you're at Tiger Connect. Could you tell us a little bit about Tiger Connect? Sure. Um, Tiger Connect uh, is uh, is unique. I love Tiger Connect because it has been um, uh, as uh, has been operating as an established company for more than ten years, but we still operate as a startup. That's what's great about it. Um, I used to work at, a, at the way larger organizations, you know, public companies that um, anything to implement anything to to any change, you know, uh, would take months and months in there. A Tiger Connect, that's not the case. Move fast is one of our core values. So we do move fast. I was impressed by um, the speed and the decision making process, and then the you know uh, strategy to action process here at Tiger Connect when I joined, when we meet, we make a decision, and then that happens. You know something that I was not used to um, from from my from my previous roles. So we do move fast, we do think big, we build for scale, and that's why revenue operations thrives in here, right? We are involved in a lot of cross-functional projects. We do drive, you know, a lot of change in here. We are the epicenter of this um, transformations projects for for the systems and just overall processes. So it's, 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 it's very, it is, I think it is a very unique company that um, is an established brand in the market, right? We are also expanding our product suite. We are changing the go-to-market strategy right now. And we still operate as, you know, with this think big, move fast and own it, you know, type of, uh, type of, type of approach. 
very dynamic. Uh, and while I've been here for two years, it feels like I've been here gazillion years because there's just a lot of things that are happening, but that will keep you on your toes and that will keep you interested and challenged every day. Yeah, that's so great. So recognizing that you're coming up on two years and it's felt like you've been there much longer. If you had to go back to day one and give yourself some advice, what would that advice be? Um, you know what? It wouldn't be about Tiger Connect per se, right? It would be more about myself and where I see myself. And I would ju- and it's this advice is still valid. Uh, I still need to act on this advice. I give it to myself every day. Uh, put yourself out there, right? Uh, we started this conversation with uh, saying that t- revenue operations is a very practical field. Like you have to learn from practitioners. You have to see how other companies are doing it and then see how it can be tailored to your own challenges, your own needs in here. So I would say be more engaged within the community, be more engaged on those Slack channels, you know, or when it comes to your internal group, to your company, go and talk to leaders from the other, um, from the, from the other teams and go talk to actually, you know, people in the field, you know, what they are experiencing, because what we might be building process wise, strategy wise might not be, um, sufficient or might not be good enough for the people actually on the field. So just put yourself out there, talk to, um, talk to the leaders, talk to the practitioners, not, not just within your company, but also, also in the community. That's a really good um, question to one thing we're going to ask you uh, in a little bit. Before we get there, uh, you're mentioning all of these massive initiatives you're rolling out at Tiger Connect, right? I think with a company that's been acquired, the company has taken a lot of funding, um, the, the the mandate is, is massive. And I think RevOps carries a lot of that weight in, in our shoulders. What do you do outside of work to unwind from what needs to be very intense and most likely very um, just just this insane amount of work that you have to do on a daily basis? And oh my God, isn't that so important, right? To have a hobby or to have uh, something to do after the work to unwind, even if it's just walking outside, right? Even if it's just getting out from your desk or turning off your uh, your phone, not reading through those Slack messages. That is, that is so important for mental health. Over COVID, I got into dancing. I have not danced for 30-something years since my early childhood. It has been my lifelong dream to get back into that. And just accidentally, you know, by chance, by friends' uh, invite, got into dancing and have been dancing ever since, you know, for three years started doing that just about like once a week twice a week now i'm like five times a week dancing my way <laughs> um unwinding from uh from the from the work day and winding from all of the zoom calls and team meetings and and, and all that, that and that would that would still keeps me energized and keeps smiling my face every day what kind of dance do you do olga and also when is your next performance if there is one <laughs> So um, it's it's hip hop and street style. It's more just you know move your body to the music type of dance. Uh, it's different, different, different styles. Um, now my kids got into dancing as well. I think inspired by me, 
my younger one, my seven-year-old goes to the same studio and we do actually have video clips together. Like we have kids and moms dancing. We have kids crew and we have parents crew. That is so cool. <laughs> and we dance together. Yeah. You'll have to send us a little, uh, a short clip that we can include in the show notes for folks <laughs> who want to be inspired too and get out there and dance. Yeah. Yeah. Move your buddy, guys. That and, and are you a fan of the, uh, is it Mariinsky Ballet or the Bolshoi? Do you have a, a preference? Uh, well, I'm from St. Petersburg, so I'll take Mariinsky. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder <laughs> about that. <laughs> That's so cool. Um, so um, we're, we're, we know that you're well-connected within the RevOps world. We're curious if you have uh, suggestions for who else might be on the podcast or folks that you respect that our listeners might go ahead and follow. Sure. So um, when we were talking about tools and the vendors, I mentioned um, Cluster is one of my favorite tools to, uh, to, to forecast and to use for sales planning and pipeline and pipeline management. Um, I work with, uh, with Tom and with Rory from the cluster team. I read them on LinkedIn. They have great content and they, they post almost daily from what they learn from their customers. And that is super helpful. That is, that is what I'm talking about when I say expand your network through the vendors, um, you and through partnering with your vendors just on thought leadership and what other, other companies are experiencing. You can learn, you can learn a lot, a lot of practical tips and tips and tricks. So uh, definitely um, recommend following Cluster on LinkedIn of connecting with uh, Cluster folks and their their content is really superb. I also listened to Jordan Henderson's uh, podcast uh, online, which has been tremendously helpful. I think has been running the podcast for almost um, two and a half, three, three years. And uh, when I drive to work, this is my 40, 40 minute drive to work. I, I like to listen to those podcasts when they come out. Oh, that's so helpful. Thank you so much. So Olga, where can people find you? Are you on social media? Are you on LinkedIn? I am. I am on LinkedIn. Um, so please, you know, find me on LinkedIn. Please connect. Uh, always open to quick chat, quick connection. I'm on the Slack channels as well. Uh, women in Revenue, Op Stars, and other operations uh, uh, operations Slack channels. That those are predominantly two major uh, channels where you can where you can see me. The data day to day life, unfortunately, is so busy that I cannot spend a lot of time, you know, answering the channels. But I'm trying to read them. Uh, when I'm on a treadmill, you know, uh, try to listen to podcasts when I'm, uh, when I'm walking, uh, when I'm, when I'm driving. Um, so yeah, LinkedIn and Slack channels, that's where I, I hang out. Well, thank you for sharing all that. Just to point out that the Tiger Connect company website is tigerconnect.com in case anyone wants to learn about, about the company. Um, so, uh, Olga, this has been such a pleasure having you as a guest on the podcast today. Uh, I know both Sharon and I have learned a number of things. It was so interesting to hear you talk about the team that you've uh, set up and all the different functions that you own across that team. Um, uh, also to hear about your different uh, different thoughts across the different topics that we covered today. So thank you so much for, for sharing all this uh, on the podcast today. Of course. Thank you so much, guys, for having me. It's been a pleasure.
And I'd love to also thank and call out to our audience, a special call out to, of course, those marketing ops folks that are now in RevOps seats. We need more of you. Um, if you laughed at one of our jokes today, if you learned something new from Olga, from our conversation, please tell someone about the podcast. Uh, we'd love to be able to share the best practices and latest learnings with more RevOps leaders out there. Thank you again, Olga, for being on the podcast today. Thank you, team. And this has been another exciting episode of RevOps Rockstars. See you next time. Stay classy, Rockstars. And that wraps up another episode. Thank you so much for joining us. For show notes and other episodes, visit RevOpsRockstars.com. RevOps Rockstars is sponsored by OpFocus. Visit OpFocus.com to learn more about how OpFocus helps SaaS companies scale their revenue operations.